you are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Hope all of our listeners had an outstanding bye weekend, a lot of good football games on, and you didn't have to worry about stressing about a last-minute finish for the Seahawks for at least a couple of days here. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. If you're like me and can't wait to see Russ cook this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watch. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Rob, I know the Seahawks were idle this weekend. They were on their bye week. Pete Carroll said it may have been the most productive bye week that he has seen since he's been back in the NFL, in large part because players were not allowed to go anywhere. They were testing every day. And so from that standpoint, this week was a win. But the Seahawks were big winners yesterday without even putting on helmets and shoulder pads. Several games falling in their favor. And now they are alone as the last undefeated team in the NFC. So they're atop the NFC standings. And of course, they got a little bit of separation in the NFC West standings as well. Yeah, with, with the Los Angeles Rams losing to the San Francisco 49ers, and that was a bit of a, of a surprise there. Then, um, you know, Seattle now has a one-and-a-half game lead in the, in the NFC West division. That is obviously huge. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Arizona Cardinals are able to do against the Dallas Cowboys on the late Monday night football game. Um, and so that, that uh, gap could extend even further with, with some of the teams that, you know, I think that we had talked about before, Corbin, that we, we really viewed the NFC West as, as a division that could have multiple playoff contenders. And so for Seattle to be able to extend its lead while they're idle um, is absolutely huge. And, you know, we, we talked about this last week, that this was a huge week for the Seahawks. Obviously, they were on bye, but at the same time, uh, there, there were so many big matchups going on in the NFL, and, and the Seahawks had to uh, maintain their discipline. They, they had to stay close, um, as you mentioned, uh, stay close to the facility, to continue their workouts, continue the coaching. COVID testing. All indications from Pete Carroll were, were that the Seahawks uh, passed through with, with flying colors, had no uh, no uh, positive uh, you know COVID test results, and, and the, the team was able to stay together. As you mentioned, Pete Carroll uh, you know described it as being one of the, their best bye weeks, most productive bye weeks, because everybody was able to stay in town. So I mean, look at the Seahawks turning a, a, a global pandemic, a global negative, into a positive for their team on and off the football field. Yeah, it's all about competition, whether it's on the field or we're talking about a bye week. Pete Carroll mentioned how important it was going to be for them to stay disciplined, and he did have the caveat today, hey, look, we need to see a few more days here to ensure that everything went fine, but we, we know the incubation period and all that stuff can make this kind of tricky, but up to this point, the Seahawks have been able to hit a home run with their handling of this pandemic and making sure all their players and all their coaches and all their staff members are able to stay healthy, and they're 5-0 and in the field, so certainly 
that 5-0 start, we could be looking back at this in mid-December and saying, man, it's a good thing they got that start because there's, you know, there's always the chance that you're going to fall into a rut at some point. Injuries can hit hard. We saw that with the Seahawks late last season. And so being able to race out to this 5-0 start against several teams that we thought were going to be good that have ended up having underwhelming records. The Falcons and Vikings are both 1-5. Seattle beat both those teams. New England's now 2-3. and three. Honestly, the best win that the Seahawks have had, you could make a very strong argument. It was the road win in Miami against the Dolphins, who have now won two straight. They whipped the 49ers and the Jets the last two weeks, and suddenly they're looking like a playoff sleeper in the AFC. So Brian Flores' team looks really good, and that win for Seattle on the road now (laughs) looks like a really good one. So I think when you look at the playoff picture now, as you mentioned, the Packers losing to the Buccaneers, I can tell you this right now. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play like they did yesterday against the Packers, that team is probably your Super Bowl favorite because the defense played lights out. They had a pick six against Aaron Rodgers, made life very uncomfortable for him. And then Tom Brady and company rattled off 31 unanswered points on the offensive side of the football. And so it was just a dominant all-around effort after they fell behind 10 nothing. From that point on, that interception by Dean just changed the momentum completely, and the Packers got ran out of the building. So Tampa Bay looks very good at 4-2, and two, so they're not, they're not far behind Seattle. The Rams, their loss didn't surprise me as much because I've just been waiting. They've played four NFC East teams to get their four victories, and I'm not saying the Rams are a bad football team because I certainly think they are a playoff contender but I think that their record was inflated a little bit by who they've played. And the 49ers kind of gave them a reality check yesterday. And 49ers were upset about how they played the week before as well. So I think those people that have been sleeping on San Francisco saying they're done, they kind of reminded people, hey, we are still here. They've got injuries they've got to deal with. And some guys that aren't going to be back like Nick Bosa for the rest of the season. But certainly the 49ers looked formidable last night. So while the Seahawks have plenty of separation now, one and a half games up on the Rams, Cardinals, if they win tonight, will be in that picture at 4-2 and two as well. But they've created a little separation there. They've got a very narrow lead over the Chicago Bears for the top seed in the NFC. The Bears are 5-1, and one, Seattle being 5-0. and oh. All it would take is one or two slip-ups right now. It's very early in the season, and Seattle could be right back in a dogfight for the division as well as one of those top seeds. They could be in a dogfight, and I'm happy that you you highlighted the the two games with Green Bay going down to Tampa Bay and then again the Rams losing to the 49ers because while while those are two very different games, to me, the the victors in both cases were just very clearly the more physical of the two teams. Um, As you said, I mean, Green Bay basically got run out of the stadium. They they just looked like like a team that, that once the Tampa Bay punched them in the mouth a little bit, the Green Bay Packers started to fold up their tents. I mean, it just did not look like a team uh, that was, you know, competing for the NFC Championship a year ago. That has a an MVP caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and he kind of got into a little bit of a mano a mano kind of a, a tiff with, with Indomitian Sue. And I remember watching the game, and, and and you know, some of the commentators are kind of saying, "Oh, you don't want to anger Aaron Rodgers. He's going to come back. He's going to be that much stronger in the second half." <laughs> you don't want to anger Indomitian Sue either. Tom Brady and, and Rob Gronkowski, who was absolutely 
Payne on the offensive side for the Bucks, but on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned the pick six by Jamel Dean, who was locked up on Devontae Adams and shut him down for much of that, much of that game. Excuse me. Um, and I mentioned in Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul was absolutely dominant. The, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were, it looked like, you know, basically we had gone in back to the future or something. Like we were 10 years, uh, had, had basically gone gone by and, and we were seeing Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, all the stars of the past that, that were basically taking Tampa Bay to the promised land. And so that's a, it's an exciting thing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think it's also in a way, Corbin, an exciting thing for the Seahawks because you think about some of the Seahawks' best players, they're relatively young. So if you are going to see a team that is going to continue to improve down the stretch, I think you have to go with the younger, hungrier team. And all, obviously all the players that just rattled off for Tampa Bay certainly have a lot of experience. They don't necessarily have a lot of experience playing together. So I think that that was a, a strong uh, you know, play for, from a Seahawks perspective with, with Tampa Bay uh, thumping Green Bay, the previously undefeated Packers. And then again, the same kind of story with the 49ers and the Rams. You know, that's been kind of the MO of the Rams before is that they have speed, they have innovation, uh, but they don't necessarily have a lot of uh, of snot knockers. And, and that's the thing is, is the San Francisco 49ers say whatever you want about their inconsistencies on offense. They are still a very physical team. And when they get their running game going, they can be very, very effective. But either way, it certainly worked out in the favor of the Seattle Seahawks. Yep, they were the big, they were one of the big winners this weekend without stepping on a field. There's no question about it. Getting help from the Buccaneers as well as the 49ers. I mean, they're not often rooting for the 49ers, but in this case, San Francisco went in with a 2 and 3 record. The the Rams were right on the Seahawks' heels and now they're a game and a half back with that loss that could wind up being a really big one once we get late into the schedule. We'll just have to wait and see. Coming up next in the second quarter, we're going to be answering your questions on our Monday mailbag segment. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Just go to GetRoman.com slash XXX to connect with a healthcare professional for an online visit and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our Monday episode, Rob Rang. Later in the third quarter, as we head into the final 11 games of the season, Seattle coming out of the bye, which three offensive players need to step up for the Seahawks to stay hot, win the division, and hopefully get that top seed in the NFC? Rob and I will be making our picks. But first, it's time for our Monday mailbag segment. Last week with the bye, we skipped it out. We did something different. But we're back to answering your questions today. First one coming from Tom Page tweets, 
Is there still time for Daryl Taylor to be a factor this season? This has been a question that I have been asked a lot the last couple of days. You can tell fans are kind of, they're getting itchy a little bit about this, Rob, because we are almost to the trade deadline. We haven't had very encouraging updates. I thought what Pete Carroll had to say today, though, was the most encouraging thing that we have heard as far as getting Taylor back in the near future. Yeah, I, Pete Carroll kind of talked about that. That he said that Daryl Taylor looked fantastic, basically in, in a straight line. That he is recovering, um, but at the same time, he um, you know wasn't willing to to guarantee basically when that we would be able to see Daryl Taylor back. It, it didn't sound like that he was anticipating a a, a spot on the IR, um, which is obviously good news. But at the same time, um, it wasn't the the answer that we were hoping for. It wasn't the answer that. Uh, we got with fellow rookie Kobe Parkinson, um, who was able to return to the field, the field, as well as former 49er DJ Reed, who returned to the field for the Seahawks. So uh, the, the question that Tom Page asks, is there time for Daylor Taylor to be a factor this season? Absolutely there is, but we are losing time. And, and certainly we all know that the Seahawks pass rush is the big Achilles heel of this team right now. And so you want to be able to get um, your first pick that you invested in a pass rusher onto the field as quickly as possible. Pete Carroll sounded in a Pete Carroll fashion optimistic, but at the same time did not give us the answer that we were all hoping for, that Daryl Taylor would be on the field soon. Yeah, if you were hoping for Carroll to say, well, there's a good chance he'll be back next week, you weren't going to get anything like that today. Hey, Pete, Pete was uh, pretty tricky with his injury updates today with all players for the most part, but I was encouraged by the fact that he said that he's running fast, straight line, where the real hurdle, it sounds like Taylor's got to get by, and this is a big hurdle for a pass rusher because especially somebody like Daryl Taylor that's been really good in the past at bending around the corner, getting around tackles, that's change of direction skill. And from what Carroll was saying, that is the one area he hasn't been able to get as much work in because that's been more painful, been more uncomfortable for him coming off this surgery. And so that is the big hurdle that he has still got to get over. If he is able to really ratchet down on the change of direction stuff and he's able to get over that hurdle, then I think he's going to be ready to return to practice. But until that happens, they aren't going to push it. Dan Riggs tweets, Crazy question, if Ryan Kerrigan, Carlos Dunlop, and Tack McKinley couldn't work out, do you think the Seahawks would consider a trade to get Jacob Martin back? I've got a lot of questions about this. You know, I can't say that it's impossible, Rob, but I would think if the Seahawks were going to try to make a trade right now, which I'm still not sold that they're going to be making any moves before the deadline, but I would think they would be looking for a bigger body defensive end that can maybe play both spots and has some positional versatility. I mean, Jacob Martin certainly has burst. The Seahawks liked what they saw his rookie year, but I just, I just can't see this happening. No, I, I agree with you, Corbin. I think that, that Jacob Martin has too similar of a body type to what you already have in Benson Maioya and Shaquem Griffin. Um, you know, and uh, you know, so I, I just, I would be surprised by that move. Now that said, the, the Seahawks do like their own. Uh, and so the fact that the, the Jacob Martin, if he was to return, of course, he would know kind of the way that the Seahawks run things. And so I think that is helpful. But I just think that it is unlikely that they would go back to Houston to try and get another pass rusher. I, I read your article with great, great interest, Corbin, on, uh, on Seahawks Maven uh, about some of the different pass rushers that, that the Seahawks might be targeting if they did want to go the, the veteran trade route. And so specifically mentioning Ryan Kerrigan of Washington, Carlos Dinlap from Cincinnati, 
Brady and Tack McKinley from the Atlanta Falcons. All three are are very talented and proven passers more proven, more versatile um, than, than Jacob Martin. And that's why I think that all three of those guys would be uh, more intriguing fits for the Seahawks at this point. But as you said, Corbin, I think unless the Seahawks are are convinced that they are not going to get Daryl Taylor back, then I, I think that they're most likely to stick with the players they currently have rather than trading just because they already have uh, used up so much of their draft commodity. David Wilson tweets, have the Hawks missed on their evaluation of DJ Dallas? He had a great camp. In the few touches he has gotten, he's looked good. Homer hasn't impressed, and Carson wants to get paid. Should they not be using Dallas to see if he can step in if they decide not to pay Carson? So I'll let you answer this here in a second, Rob. But me being somebody that loves running backs, and I coached running backs, I played the position. DJ Dallas was absolutely one of the most impressive players at training camp this year. There's no question about it. Do I think that he should be getting more opportunities than he has to this point? Yes. I I think that he should be getting on the field some. He didn't have any snaps against the Vikings on offense, and I I think he should be getting opportunities, especially with Carlos Hyde not being out there. That being said, I'm not going to go anywhere close to the idea that they missed on their evaluation. The Seahawks really love this kid. If you've ever listened to Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer and all the teammates, Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, all those guys, absolutely love DJ Dallas. I think it has just come down to Chris Carson is still their workhorse and he's under contract for this year. The Seahawks are not going to get caught up on trying to play a young guy when they are in the market to win a Super Bowl right now. They're not going to just play a young guy just to play a young guy. If he's beating out Chris Carson, that's one thing. But I think that it's really a reach saying that they missed on their evaluation. I think they really like this kid. There just haven't been the opportunities there for him. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I think, if anything, the Seahawks nailed their evaluation uh, of DJ Dallas. That's why they selected him in the first place, of course. Um, and that's why he made the team. Uh, you know, I mean, despite the fact that running back is arguably their deepest position, at least on the offensive side of the ball. No, obviously, the, the injury concerns that you have with, with Penny coming back from injury, uh, Carlos Hyde currently, uh, uh, you know, nursing injury. And, and then, of course, Chris Carson has struggled with durability throughout his career a little bit. Um, so, I I think all of those things are, are in play, but the fact that the Seahawks did keep DJ Dallas, I think, is a testament to the fact that they do feel as strongly as, as they do about him. And I would echo what you just said about how impressive that DJ Dallas was in the training camp practices I was able to attend, and even the, the, the limited opportunities that he's had in game action. He's looked dynamic. And I would also disagree with, with David Wilson's comments about that the Travis Homer hasn't impressed. Now, he has not been as effective as a runner, but that's not really his game as far as being an interior pound through the tackles run threats the way that Dallas Hyde uh, and certainly Chris Carson is but Travis Homer has been absolutely spectacular in pass protection and that's just so much uh, a part of Seattle's offense so I I think what the Seahawks really have here is just basically a four or five headed monster at the running back position and it's going to be hard to to carve out some playing time for all of these players DJ Dallas is the player the Seahawks have their under contract for the longest amount of time of their running backs he is the guy that they have the most time to be able to figure out what they want to do right now clearly the bell cow is Chris Carson so if you're going to try and carve out some time for a rookie then you're going to be taking away from a guy who has you know been playing at a pro bowl level I just don't think that you want to do that 
Yeah, that's the big deal here. You you, you know, you're going to try to get him opportunities, but you're not going to force the issue too when you've got so many established running backs that have proven what they're capable of doing on the field. Ryan Allison tweets, there have been talks about bringing Dan Quinn back as a defensive consultant. Do you think that's feasible and would it help or hurt the defense? Also, how would Ken Norton respond? So Ryan, I think this is a really good question. Me personally, I've had some time to sit and think about this a little bit. Would it make sense from a football standpoint? Yeah, Dan Quinn was a great defensive coordinator in Seattle. Both their Super Bowl teams, he was the defensive coordinator for. So from that standpoint, it would absolutely be helpful to have another great football mind in the room, and it'd be a good chance for him to get back on his feet. But I like that second part of that question here because I know he and Ken Norton Jr. are close. Ken Norton Jr. was the linebacker coach when Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator. These guys have worked together for a long time, but... If I'm Ken Norton Jr., I don't know how he would react to that if suddenly, oh no, the guy that I replaced at defensive coordinator, or actually he replaced Chris Richard, but in between. But anyway, former defensive coordinator is now back in the building. What does that spell for me? I don't know that Ken Norton Jr. would respond to it that way, but that is something that has come across my mind. And I think it's certainly a question worth asking. If you did bring him back, could there actually be some negative effects with how it impacts your coaching chemistry? Yeah, and I think that's the reason why you have to, you know, probably pause on that idea. I'm a big Dan Quinn fan as as a head coach and as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I really liked what what he has been able to do. Um, you know, I think that the Atlanta Falcons collapse is not so much about him as it is about you know again some of the players on their team and their inability to uh, to step up when the, the game was on the line. Um, but at the same time, I think that any team would would be wise to consider bringing Dan Quinn in but at the same time you know the Seahawks as we've mentioned a couple of times Corbin are number one in the NFC they're undefeated why rock the boat now I understand statistically the Seattle's defense has been abysmal but the fact that they have made the big plays when they needed to then I, I think that you have to give some credit to, to Ken Norton and, and and the fact that he has been willing to adjust. You know, I was one of those who kind of knocked Ken Norton previously because I thought that he ran a lot of vanilla defenses, but, you know, that has not been the case so far this year. So I, I think that the Dan Quinn, sure, he would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks to bring him in. A lot of other teams as well should be considering him. But at the same time, right now in the midst of a, of a potentially historic season, I think the Seahawks should stick with what they're, go- what they're doing because it's obviously working. Wampet Gaming tweets, with Colby Parkinson coming back, do you see Jacob Hollister being traded? So I'm not going to rule anything out with this Seahawks team, especially because Jacob Hollister has only played 48 offensive snaps to this point. He hasn't gotten a lot of playing time with Greg Olson and Will Disley in front of him, but no, I don't see them moving him. I think it's much more likely that we see them move on from Luke Wilson, who has only played 11 snaps all year. It just feels like at this point, that he's been keeping that roster spot warm until Colby Parkinson's ready to return it. And they don't have to rush to make a decision here. They've got 21 days to evaluate Parkinson on the practice field before they activate him. They don't have to make him active on the 53-man roster this week. So this could be something after week eight that the Seahawks could decide to do and they could move on from Luke Wilson. There could be an injury before then. Hopefully not, but they've got some time to make the decision. I think it's much more likely that Luke Wilson's gone, though, than Jacob Hollister. 
I, I would agree with you there uh, in, in a couple of different ways. I, I do agree that the Jacob Hollister is higher on Seattle's depth chart, um, and I think that he is a more di- brings a, a more dynamic presence to Seattle's attack uh, than Luke Wilson. Um, I, I do agree that, uh, that it was really wise um, to, to point out that the Seahawks do have time to truly evaluate Parkinson and see what, what he might be able to bring to the field um, because while I just kind of knocked Luke Wilson a little bit, at the same time, he is Mr. Reliable. You can ask him to do just about anything, and he's going to give you every effort uh, that you possibly could have asked um, and make sure that he's doing it you know, technically um, you know, in, in the correct way and all of that. So I, I think that that's important. At the same time, I think that the, the question does bring up a good point. If the Seahawks are going to make a trade, because as we talked about, they don't have the draft capital anymore, I do think there's a possibility they would consider trading a veteran to get a veteran. We've talked before about some of the strongest positions on this team. Tight end is one of them. Running back is one of them. Safety is one of them. Even depth along the offensive line is one of them. I think all of those positions are potentially at play. At the same time, there's not a lot of teams out there who are going to be trading a difference-making defensive end for a third or fourth string tight end. So I think that uh, Seahawks fans have to be realistic about what expectations they may have uh, for a mid-season trade to land a superstar. That's the key, isn't it, Rob? Being realistic. I know that we have fans that have been messaging, what is it going to take to get J.J. Watt? Well, they're not going to get J.J. Watt. There are realistic trades, and then there are fantasy ones this time of year, especially given the fact the Seahawks don't have a lot of cap space and they are hurting for draft picks So that's going to make it far more difficult for them to swing some of those deals. Maybe that makes it more likely that a veteran like Hollister is added to the mix. Who knows? When we come back in the third quarter, we're going to discuss three players who need to step up in the second half of the season for the Seahawks on the offensive side of the football. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As an avid weightlifter and distance runner, I'm always looking for an edge when it comes to nutrition, seeking delicious, healthy protein bars without the crazy additives. Since being diagnosed with celiac disease, my options have been pretty limited. Until now. Enter in the Built Bar, a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, gluten-free protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar now comes in 18 mouth-watering flavors, including six new delicious flavors such as caramel brownie and cookies and cream. My all-time favorite is peanut butter brownie, which is 20 grams of protein, just 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. Since I had my first Built Bar, I never go without one when I hit the weight room or go for a jog. All Built Bars are 100% chocolate, nut and gluten-free, soft and easy to chew, and don't have the nasty aftertaste of competing protein bars. Sound too good to be true? Go to BuiltBar.com and build your own custom box with your choice of flavors using the code LOCKEDON for $10 off. You will also receive a free cooler with your first purchase while supplies last. So what are you waiting for? Change your workout game by going to BuiltBar.com and entering code LOCKEDON for $10 off. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined by Rob Rang. The Seahawks are off to the best start in franchise history, 5-0. and They're coming off their bye week much healthier after not having to play this weekend, going to get some key players back. Potentially, Jamal Adams will be back in the lineup against the Cardinals. Rasheem Green and Philip Dorsett look to be close. They got a couple players that returned to practice coming off the non-football injury list in Colby Parkinson and DJ Reed. So they've got reinforcements coming and they have the best record in the NFC. That being said, 
It's a long season. Every year it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And as well as the Seahawks have played to this point offensively, they lead the NFL averaging 33 points per game. They have been the most explosive offense in football. There's always room for improvement. And so this was a little tough for you and I before the show. We were talking about three players need to step up. And first we looked at the offensive line and we're like, I don't know if there's any players here that need to step up. They just need to keep playing as they have. But there are some guys at the skill positions that it feels like the Seahawks could get more from, or it might even be a player that you haven't gotten anything from to this point. So let's look at three players that need to rise up to the occasion here. 11 games left on the schedule that need to come through and give the Seahawks strong performances down the stretch. Rob, I'm going to start with a guy who hasn't played a single snap yet this year. And I'm sure our listeners are like, oh no, the running back guy is talking running backs again. But Rashad Penny comes in at number one, number two, and number three on this list for me. I just think, I talked to you about this last week when we were discussing players coming back from injuries. Rashad Penny is just, he provides something the Seahawks simply do not have right now at the running back position. And that includes DJ Dallas. I love DJ Dallas. As I said, he has had a really good start to his career. He was great in training camp. He's got more wiggle than you would think. He's a powerful, low-to-the-ground running back that runs well between the tackles. So he does a lot of things that the Seahawks love at the running back position really well. What he can't do, what Chris Carson can't do, what Carlos Hyde can't do, and even Travis Homer. Travis Homer's probably got the best straight line speed of those four, but none of them have the ability to throttle down and get to that third gear that that Rashad Penny can give you. He is the one back they've got that when he gets to the second level, he can just turn on the afterburners and he can be gone. We saw it on his touchdown against the Steelers last season. We saw it on the 58-yard score against the Eagles in Week 12. We've seen other examples where he gets the ball and big yardage, and they just don't have any other running backs that can do that, and we know how good this offense has been. You put Rashad Penny in the backfield, he's fully healthy with his varying skill set compared to the other running backs they have it just creates another problem for defenses to have to worry about and it gives you a home run threat that you don't necessarily have at the running back spot the home run threat that that's is what Rashad Penny provides I mean there's a lot of running backs in the NFL Corbin as you well know that that have clocked in the four fours there are very few of them who have clocked in the four fours at 235 pounds the way that Rashad Penny has. Um, now, of course, it's it, the most important thing is, is he going to be able to, to uh, you know, show that speed again coming off of the, the significant injury in which he's, he endured last year and has had to recover all of this time. So I'll extend that besides just Rashad Penny, um, you know, to uh, Carlos Hyde and just whoever is that number two back for the Seahawks. And we've talked before. I think that, that Russell Wilson is, is arguably the MVP of the NFL right now. DK Metcalf might just be the most physically dominant athlete in Seattle team sports in history. But at the same time, I really believe that, that you can make an argument that Chris Carson is as important to this team as anybody, just in terms of the phys- 
physicality, the toughness, the you know the, the grit with which he plays. But at the same time, I have been a little bit disappointed by the inconsistency of whoever has been Seattle's number two back. And that's not just this year, but in years in the past. So if it is Rashad Penny, and I think that he does uh, bring that added element, as you mentioned, with his straight line speed. Uh, but at the same time, I have been uh, impressed with what Carlos Hyde has provided as far as his lateral agility and his toughness. But again, because of the durability issues that Chris Carson has shown over his career, he has yet to finish an NFL season, start playing in all 16 games. Because Carlos Hyde himself is is you know dealing with an injury and an obvious a penny coming off of his injury as well i do think that the second running back position is a is a group that needs to step up if the seahawks are going to have this this historic season that looks appears possible yeah i thought about putting carlos Hyde on my list here just because he only has 57 rushing yards playing in three games he's averaging less than four yards per carry so he has not been a factor and then he's been dealing with that shoulder injury as well so it hasn't mattered who's back there they've gotten very limited touches for DJ Dallas so it's hard to say whether he would have done better than what we've seen from Travis Homer or Carlos Hyde when they've been on the field so again I just think the fact that Rashad Penny is a different style player that has that extra gear that none of those other players can bring to the table I think that is going to be more impactful down the stretch for the Seahawks, just because it's a different style back. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are just so similar in their styles. You're not going to have that issue with Rashad Penny, a different kind of player that brings that home run threat capability. Second guy I've got on my list just caught his first touchdown of the season, and I'm not saying that he needs to step up because I haven't been happy with what I've seen to this point. Will Disley was coming off his second severe injury in as many years, an Achilles tear, and just the fact he was back on the field the first week of training camp and avoided the pup list was astounding. His ability to come back from both these injuries and really not miss a beat but you just now, in the last couple games, he, it almost looked like the first few games of the season that he was kind of running about 80%. It just He didn't look like he was quite there yet. Yes, it was great to see him on the field. He was blocking well. But as far as a route runner, you just didn't see quite the same guy we saw the first two years before those injuries. The last couple games, that has changed. That 19-yard touchdown that he caught in that game, you saw the surprising speed and and route-running ability that Will Disley has brought with him ever since Seattle drafted him out of Washington in the fourth round a couple years ago. And so I think that play, just the amount of confidence that's going to give him, as well as Russell Wilson being able to go back to one of his favorite targets, a guy that was really his number one weapon until he got hurt last year. You could make an argument he was getting more targets in key situations than Tyler Lockett was. I think Will Disley, coupled with Greg Olson, those tight ends are going to have a big role here because teams, they're going to be so concerned with the receivers on the outside that those opportunities in the short to intermediate game for tight ends are going to be wide open. And I think Will Disley is going to capitalize on that in these last 11 games. He very well could. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he could use this as a big springboard. I mean, we've seen Will Disley splash as, as much as, uh, you know, as much as just about any pass catcher on Seattle's offense over the last couple of years just because he has had some of those spectacular moments. Um, and now, and can he keep that consistent? And you're right, Corbin. You know, same thing. I, I, I was, you know, at training camp was watching a lot of the same things that you were in, in terms of Disley just didn't look like he had uh, the, the same juice. And he wasn't an elite speed guy in the first place but but watching him uh basically get around at run at times by by greg olson the the veteran that he is uh luke wilson at times that was disconcerting 
Um, but at the same time, it does look like Disley is kind of rounding into shape. He's always been, uh, at least ever since he's made that, that transition to tight end, he's been a, a fantastic route runner given his lack of experience, relatively speaking. Um, and, and so I, I've always been impressed in that regard. And then again, Wilson's accuracy is just so good that he is able to develop a rapport very, very quickly with guys. So I'm very excited to see what Will Disley is able to do. Um, to me, it's, it's kind of like the, the situation we just described at running back. I really think that Greg Olson is the, the bell cow at the tight end position for the Seahawks. I know that, that Wilson has an incredible rapport with Disley, and I think that that can continue. But whomever that number two tight end is, I do think that the tight end needs to continue to be a critical part of Seattle's offense, especially as you're uh, entering the home stretch where you're going to be uh, facing all of these divisional opponents that have dynamic pass rushers. That, so I think that you're going to see Seattle use the tight end more often, and I think that Will Disley has a chance to really reap the benefits of that. One other player that I think has a great opportunity, he returned to practice today, according to Pete Carroll. One player that has a great opportunity to take advantage and be a, a benefactor of the presence of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is Philip Dorsett. And he is another player that watching training camp practices the first couple weeks before his foot got banged up and he's been injured ever since. But before that injury came back, apparently it was something that he had dealt with previously, but before he got hurt during their first scrimmage game at CenturyLink Field, I was blown away with how good he looked out there. And you know he has the sub-4-3 speed. He's a burner. I mean, he was, he's the fastest guy the Seahawks have ever had at the receiver position, according to Carroll. So you already have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are burners as well. You bring in another player like Philip Dorsett that can take the top off of defenses, and then you got those tight ends that we referenced. It just makes an offense that's been extremely difficult to contain that much tougher to try to game plan against because now you've got not one, not two. You can argue you've got four receivers that can really take the top off a of defense because we know what David Moore has done this season too. But David Moore doesn't have sub 4-3 speed. This just adds another weapon to your arsenal, and I've been saying it all along. Dorsett's numbers have not been great since being drafted out of Miami as a first-round pick, but this is the perfect offense for him and his skill set. It's the perfect quarterback to be throwing to him with Russell Wilson's ability to throw that deep ball. Dorsett has had really reliable hands during his career, so I have just been eager to see Philip Dorsett get back out there and see that rapport they were developing play out on the field because I just have a feeling that he is going to be another big difference maker for this passing game with the speed and deep threat capability that he brings and the other weapons that they already have. I, I just think it's gonna be much it's gonna be much C T V to see him out there showing off that blazing track speed catching passes from Russell Wilson. So I'm anxious to see those three on the field together. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Corbin. On, on this, you know, when you started this uh, this segment, and you kind of said that you know that that uh, Rashad Penny was basically your cho- your your first, second, and third choice for this. To me, my first, second, third choice for this is Philip Dorsett. I, I, I really think when he was signed by Seattle, I thought, okay, here is your deep threat that is going to be able to complement what you already have uh, in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and then just like you stood there on the sidelines in training camp and, and watched. Philip Dorsett not only be that deep threat, not only be able to stretch the field, but really show his his route running accuracy 
acumen. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who remember all of the the hand wringing that there was over can DK Metcalf run anything other than a fly route? Can you know can David Moore show the the body control and, and the concentration to take advantage of, of his skill set? Well, those have both obviously been proven right. The DK Metcalf can run every route that you want, and that that uh, you know w- with David Moore is obviously having a, a breakout season, and Freddie Swain, the rookie, is also having a, a breakout season. But I think that you'll notice that with Freddie Swain, for for instance, um, the Seahawks are only using him on a couple of different routes. That's one of the nice things about Dorsett is that if he is onto the field on the field, then you're not giving away the play call so much. And, and so I think that that Dorsett would be able to open up Seattle's offense a little bit more. Um, and I think again he would be able to provide that that deep threat over the top. Um, and when you have Russell Wilson, the, the, as most as accurate of a deep ball passer as I think that there is in all of the NFL, then it's just going to make Seattle's offense that much more dynamic. So yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what what the addition of Philip Dorsett would be able to give to the team. And unlike some of the other cases, I think if if Dorsett is back onto the field, then you may see a little bit less playing time for for Freddie Swain, for example. You may not have the the, the big need, the big concern for say getting Josh Gordon back onto the roster. So I, I think that that Dorsett because of his straight line speed, because of his experience playing Indianapolis and New England, two franchises that were used to winning, um, you know, all of those things, I, I think all kind of tie in to why that Dorsett could be kind of the sleepy skill position player to explode in the second half for the Seahawks. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is by going to our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on tomorrow's show, it's Throwback Tuesday. We'll look back at the past couple of matchups between the Seahawks and Cardinals in Arizona. And then we'll look at three defensive players who need to step up in the second half. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks!